Praise God. Well, we are going to be talking about baptism this morning. Everyone that's being baptized, but also for um, just everybody, we're just going to talk about it. So let's go ahead and pray, and let's agree for this time that we get everything out, touch everything we need to. Lord, we do just thank you. Thank you for being such a good father. Thank you for being such a good God. We thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness and your mercy. We thank you that you love us and want the best for us. Lord, we ask you right now, uh, you said in your word that if uh, two of us, two or more of us, uh, agree concerning anything that uh, we ask, it would be done for us. So we ask you right now, Lord, for utterance and unction in the Holy Spirit that we would speak with all boldness and clarity your word, preach and teach your word with your anointing, and that the Holy Spirit would just illuminate our minds and help us to see what we haven't seen. And so we thank you, God, for it. We say that we're coming up higher in our understanding, understanding what we haven't understood before, that there is clarity in every area that we cover today, and that you're speaking to our hearts, spirit to spirit. And we just say boldly we're going to be at a higher place spiritually when we get done with this this service than when we started. And, Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory and honor and praise for that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. All right. Well, we are going to talk about uh, baptism, water baptism today. You know, the, the Bible talks about baptisms, and there are multiple baptisms. It's not just when you're, when you're born again, you're baptized into the body of Christ. That means you're immersed in the body of Christ. But there is an experience. Um, it's an ordinance of the church called water baptism. And um, small wars have been fought about water baptism, how, what to say, how to do it. And uh, you know what? It's a symbol. So we're going to be talking about what the Word has to say about it today. And, um, you know, just like everything else in the Word, you, you know, especially things like this, um, people get legalistic and people can get dogmatic. And, you know, that's not, that's not the point. The point is uh, it's a symbol of what uh, has happened spiritually. And uh, we're just going to be talking about different things different parts of it. What's the significance of it? How, you know, why do we baptize people? Does water baptism make you a better person? And uh, some of these things. Harry A. Ironside said this concerning water baptism, to the lover of the Lord Jesus Christ, there can be nothing legal about baptism. It is simply the glad expression of a grateful heart recognizing its identity with Christ in death, burial, and resurrection. Many of us look back to the moment when we were baptized as one of the most precious experiences we have ever known. It's not a legalistic thing, it's a, it's a symbolic thing. So it is an ordinance of the church. An ordinance is an outward rite or symbolic observance commanded by Jesus Christ, which sets forth essential Christian truths. Jesus sets the example of water baptism, water baptism by being baptized by John the Baptist. Or John the Baptist. Let's look at Matthew three verse thirteen. Matthew three thirteen says, "Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him." Imagine that. 
John the, baptizing, John the Baptist baptizing the Son of God, baptizing the Christ. You know, John knew his role. John knew that he was not the Christ. He said, I'm not, I'm not fit to untie his shoes, his sandals. He knew who Jesus was and who he was. He knew that he was the one sent forth to declare Jesus, and here he is baptizing the Christ. I mean, can you imagine Jesus is there and you're the one that's, you're going to baptize Jesus. I mean, the significance of that, the, 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 the reality of that moment, that's, that's, a, that's pretty heavy. Verse 14, and John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you are coming to me? See, he knows. This is God in front of him. Coming to be baptized by him. There's a humility here. There's an honor here. There's a reverence here. There's an understanding of spiritual things here. You know, not flippantly going, oh, yeah, okay, come on over. I'm the one doing it. It's, man, you're coming here. I need, I need you. So we ought, to be, we ought to be humble with the things of God. It's not about us. Whatever role God has given you in life, and God, God has callings in, in every area of life. It's not just the five-fold ministry. It's every area. Whatever God has called you to do and directed you to do, do it with humility, but do it with your head held high in the sense that don't be arrogant in and of yourself, but if the king asks you to do something, don't try to, don't, don't deride it, don't belittle it, don't say it's something else is better. If the king asks you to do something, you do that and say, well, this is what the Lord asked me to do. Not in an arrogant way, don't, well, look what the Lord asked me to do. No. The Lord asked me to do this. So I, you know, what's the best thing you can do? Do your job. Sir, yes, sir, I'm going to be here. What if somebody else thinks that's not an important job? That's their problem. What if somebody else thinks, oh, that's, you're so great? That's their problem. Just don't let it get off on you. You just do. You know, there's all, there's all kinds of vocations in, in, um, in the world. There isn't something better than something else. What can you do but what the king asked you to do? Anything else is arrogance. Oh, I don't think that's good enough. I'm going to do this. Oh, I think that's too good. I'm going to do this. Either one is pride. Did you hear me? Pride is not just I'm lower or I'm higher. Pride is, oh, that, I couldn't do that. Pride is, I, I don't see any way to do that, therefore I'll do my own thing. What, that's, the, that's, that's discounting what God said. If God said it, then you can do it. Amen. Humility says, okay. You think, that's what you, see, God doesn't think about it, he knows. So if he says, it's, tells you to do something, he's right. You'll catch up later. You'll figure it out later. Oh, 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 that, that was coming. Oh, well, I guess, I guess you were right. Whereas our eyes, we can only see so much, and we may say, there's no way. You want me to do what? I can't do it. Saying that to the Almighty, who knows everything, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows 
everything about us, and he's already taken everything. He doesn't have to take things into consideration, go away for a retreat, come back with an answer. He already knows. He already knew before we were born what we needed to do, and so he, he looks at you and go, you are this. He'll tell you you are this before you ever look like you're anything. I've called you. You're this. And the best answer is, okay, yes, sir. Where would you like me now, today? And that may be different than where he's going to put you later. So don't get ahead of him. Don't be behind him, but don't get ahead of him. Just because he asks you to do something and you're like, yeah, but I'm supposed to do this, and you're asking me to do this. Don't worry about the steps. If You may see something out here, and it may be kind of sort of developed and vague, but you got to get what's the next step. As you get the next step, then he'll tell you what the next step is. And he'll tell you what the next step is. And he'll tell you what the next step is. You don't have to do that. The best answer is once you know what you're supposed to do, you just do that. Amen? And don't compare to somebody else. Don't, don't try to figure it out. Yes, don't be, you know, a fool in the sense of you just, you know, it's not blind faith. It's based on what he said. You know, you don't just discount any, everything, but you don't discount his word. His word trumps everything. So if he says something, then you look at other stuff and go, yeah, well, that's true. But he said, and then you go. Then you do what he said to do. So there are all kinds of callings, all kinds of roles in the body of Christ. So whatever he said for you to do, walk it out in the steps he told you to do it. Don't get caught up with where you're going to be. Look at where he wants you now and just be humble and with your head held high in him, not down, feeling beat up, not over everybody, just but confident in him, walk forward. And as you do, you'll be in the right place and you'll do the right thing. And then God will get all the glory. Because <laughs> you didn't know anyway. You couldn't have figured it out. And he'll, he'll grace you and bless you to do different things in life. Just do it to the best of your ability, honoring him and doing it for the glory of God. And be humble in what he has for you. In other words, don't start raising yourself up and getting you in there. Just do it. And that's how you walk out in life. That's what John the Baptist is doing here. He, if it's him, he's like, no, I can't do it. That would be arrogant. If Jesus Christ is standing in front of you saying, you need to baptize me, then what's the right answer? Yes, sir. Which is what he did. Amen? That, that's the right thing. And John is playing in fulfilling his role here. He knows he's not Jesus. And we ought to know we're not Jesus. We ought to know that we are servants of Almighty God, and whatever he asks me to do, that's what I'm going to do to his glory. Any gifts that I have and abilities that I have are his abilities that I'm consecrating to be used by him. Amen? And then you're in the right place. Then you know what? You're safe from um, getting tripped up. You're safe from pride tripping you up, pulling you away, and, and causing you to be arrogant because you know it was all Him. You're safe from missing the call of God because your pride keeps you from stepping out when you should step out. You just stay under Him, doing what He calls you to do, stay in your lane, don't get off with what somebody else is doing. Don't, don't, don't say, well, I should do that. No, just what did he ask you to do? 
stay there, walk humbly, glorify Him. You know, hum- humility means that also, see, people all just think it's humility is putting, you know, uh, discounting things. That's not true. Sometimes the most humble thing, somebody asks you, you know, your capabilities in a certain area, and we're not talking about bragging, but if they want an honest answer, can't, like a manager, can you do this? Or in an interview, can you do this? Uh, humility will say yes. I can't, even when you, you, your pride would want you to say, oh, no, I'm not so good. Do you follow that? Because you're not doing it in and of your own strength. You're saying, by the grace of God. Yeah, I, you know, God has used me that way or... I mean, you don't want to get Christian easy about it, depending on the company. I never want to be Christian easy, but I mean, you know, some people can't receive certain things. But just, if we just stay in our role, stay in our position, and just humble ourselves before Him and and just have faith to God, then we'll be safe. Amen? And none of that is in any of my baptism notes. Verse 14 says, And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? Verse 15, But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Verse 16, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus set the example of being water baptized. <laughs> well, if he did it, well, uh, that's, a, that's a good pattern. Jesus made it clear that believers were to be baptized in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 19. Let's look at that. We're just going to go over you know, a few things. That It's an ordinance. It doesn't save you. It's a symbol. Some of these things this morning. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You have the second part. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But the first part says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, verse 14, or 15, actually. Mark 16, 15. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. It's about believing. Peter repeated the command to be baptized on the day of Pentecost. Let's look at Acts 2, verse 38. It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the remissions of, remission of sins, and, shall, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, And those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So obviously this is a thing. I mean, Jesus came to be baptized in water, so they were familiar with this, and so they were saved and they were baptized. 
The apostles baptized converts throughout the book of Acts. Let's look at uh, a few more scriptures in Acts. Acts 8, verse 12. So we're talking about baptism being an ordinance of the church. And when, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which are done. So you can see this is a physical, this is a physical something. It says when he was baptized. So there is baptized, being baptized in the body of Christ that's immersed in the body of Christ, but there is this physical water baptism um, that this is referring to. Acts 10, verse 46 It says, For when they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, talking about water baptism, that these, should not, uh, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Verse 48, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So talking about water baptism here. Acts 8, verse 36, we read this um, Um, no, let's, so let's read Acts 8, verse 36. Sorry, 8, 836. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Notice this. Verse 37, Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38, so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Verse 39, and when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So you see throughout Acts, you see that Jesus was baptized that he commanded as part of the Great Commission for those to be baptized. The apostles did, and then you see several examples of it. Now we're going to talk about the spiritual significance of water baptism. It's taught throughout the epistles, and we're going to talk about that more uh, in a minute. But I want to emphasize that water baptism doesn't save you. Did you hear me? Water baptism does not save you. It's not a magic charm. It's not, you know, okay, now you're saved. It's, it, 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 that's what doesn't, that doesn't save you. You're saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not believe that water baptism saves a person, transforms him from spiritual death to spiritual life, or changes his behavior. It does none of those things. When you go down in the water and come up, you are the same person. It, it, is a, it is an outward expression of an internal truth of what has happened, but it doesn't do anything in and of itself. We are saved by our faith in what Jesus did for us, not in anything we do for ourselves, and that includes going and being baptized. It's not a religious exercise that, like, well, you, to be a whole Christian, you've got to be baptized. That's not true. It's a It's a symbol. Whether or not you're baptized, if you've confessed the Lord Jesus, uh, confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believe that God has raised him from the dead, that, 
That's how you're saved. We're going to read some verses to that effect. It's not what you do. We are saved by our faith in what Jesus did for us, not in anything that we can do ourselves. Romans 3.27. It says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law or of, uh, by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Not the law of works, the law of faith. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified, that means declared righteous, that means acquitted, by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So that you don't, you're not justified by what you do. You're not made right. But, we, but the Bible does not say you don't do good works. In fact, one place said, no, we absolutely do good works, but it's not a way to get to God. It's because you're right with God. Amen. Do you see the difference? You don't. You don't do good works to try to earn something with God, to earn a position to save you. You only are saved through believing on the Lord Jesus and His finished work. But once you're saved, you do good things because you're saved and because you want to honor Him on the earth. See, that's a whole different thing. You don't earn your way to God because of things you do. It's because Jesus made the way to God and you've received it that you want to glorify Him. And so He enables you to live the Christian life. He gives you the ability because we've, we've been made new people on the inside and we have the grace of God to do it. We don't have to sin. Did you hear me? We don't have to. We don't have to, to, to constantly be messing up. It, it, if we make a mistake, it doesn't mean we're not saved. But you want to live as long as you repent and you come to God and you put it before Him. But you want to walk as holy as you can, as holy as you're able. And with the, the strength and the power of God, God will enable you to do it. Because you don't want to give Satan any place in your life and you don't want to glorify the devil. But you don't base your salvation on it. And if you come up short, you don't intend to, you don't make a way for it, you don't plan for it. But if you, if you miss it, the Bible says we have an advocate with the Father. The Bible says if you confess your sin... Uh, Jesus, the, the God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, but the foundation of you being right with God wasn't your performance anyway. But that does not mean we start making, look for a way to mess up and go, well, it doesn't matter. It matters. It could be life or death. When we're walking the plan of God out, we don't want to just give our enemy a foothold in our life. You know? You wouldn't do that. I mean, because we are at war. I'm talking about, spiritually speaking, Satan's playing for keeps. And if you just go, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go over in his territory and just jack around and do all kinds of stuff that I know I shouldn't do because I'm saved. You, you you're, could be saved, but you're putting yourself in the enemy's territory and giving him access to take you out. Why would you? Nobody in their right mind would do that if you were in a battle, if you were in a sports 
event. You know, you're, you're playing a game. You're like, here, I'm just going to go over and just give the ball to somebody and hope that they'll just give it back. No, they're just going to run and score on you. Do whatever. Dunk on you, you know. Kick the ball in the back of the net. Oh, you think I'm just going to be nice to you? There was one time, I think about this from time to time. I was trying to be nice. I was playing Little League Baseball, and I was playing first base, and uh, something happened, and, you know, there was a, the kid was, the opposite team, the the batter was coming around the the base or something. I don't remember exactly what happened. I just remember the aftermath. Somehow, the guy on the opposite team, I don't know, he tripped, whatever, we ran into each other. Somehow, he he got shaken up, and he's on the ground, and he's away from the base. And I'm on, you know, I, I'm opposite team. I, I, I have the ball. And the coach comes out and this kid's shaking up and they're all, you know, uh, attending to him and whatever. And I'm thinking, I mean, I could tag the kid. I didn't always tag him. I didn't tag, you know, I'm just sitting there and he's just, he's out. He's almost like knocked out and he's all shaken up. And the coach is like that. And we're just trying to attend to the kid. And then the kid comes to and the coach goes, oh, he didn't tag you. And the guy goes back and touches the first base, if you know anything, then he's still safe. And I'm like, I'm just, you, you can't even walk at this point. And I'm giving him access to, to still, I could have just tagged him and like, yeah, I yeah, know you're, you're coming to, but you know, tagged him, <laughs> been nice about it anyway. And he got, and he was safe. And it's like, you know, okay, legally that's right. I, you know, I wasn't just being like, hey, you're out too, you know, while you're unconscious. <laughs> but that was, I should have just tagged him. My point is, Satan's not going to be like, oh, you're being nice. Oh, you know, you're just trying to fit in with the world, going around to stuff. Oh, I won't touch you. (laughs) No. If you give him access, he's going to try to take access. So don't give him any access. Amen. (laughs) Moving right along. Romans 10, verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice that. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Notice it's with the heart. It's not your head, not your physical blood pump we're talking about, but we're talking about your inside, the heart, your spirit. With the heart, so that's the part you believe with, you believe unto righteousness. So it's not working your way to salvation. It's not earning salvation. It's with your heart or your spirit, you believe unto righteousness, which is right standing with God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That's how you become saved. That's being saved is not a religious term. The Bible talks about whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Being born again is in the word of God. It's in John 3 and other places that you're born again by the word of God. But you are not saved by what you do. You're born again by belief in what Jesus has done, and you confess unto salvation. So this is how you become saved. 
it is not water baptism. And we're going to talk about water baptism is, is an outward expression of what's happened internally. Let's, we already looked at this, but real briefly, let's look at Acts 8, verse 36. And I'll show you this uh, in context of what we're talking about. Acts eight thirty six says, Now as they went down to the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip didn't say, Well, no, that's what gets you saved. We'll baptize you, and then you will be saved. He's saying, what hinders me from being water baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. See, that's the important part. And then he said, he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, which goes with what we just read in Romans. That's how you become saved. Water baptism is a symbol. But if you don't believe, water baptism is going to do nothing. You're just taking you know, bath or go for a swim or whatever. It's, it's not doing anything. It's not an incantation. It's not magic. Water baptism is a symbol. It's, a, it's an outward symbol of an inward work. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, verse 21. First Peter 3, verse 21. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not, say it's not talking about removal of the filth of the flesh. In the Amplified Classic, it says, In baptism, which is a figure of their deliverance, does now also save you from inward questionings and fears, not by the removing of outward body body filth, bathing, but by providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience, inward cleanness and peace before God, because you are demonstrating what you believe to be yours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not the bath part of it. That is showing what Jesus, what, how we uh, identify with Jesus. The symbolism of water baptism can simply be stated as an outward demonstration of an inward regeneration or an outward testimony of one's inward faith. Water baptism is a public declaration of your faith in Jesus. It's a public declaration of your faith in Jesus. I know one gentleman, um, shared this before, that uh, was born and raised Muslim. And he was in the Middle East. And he, through a sequence of events, uh, he, he became born again. And where he was in his culture, that was forbidden. You know, here, somebody gets saved, uh, you may get persecuted to a level of something. Somebody may make fun of you or something, I guess, in some, but in general, no, nobody's going to say anything. There, it meant you're completely cut off from your family. And it could mean possible death. And he, he was a young man, 
you know, uh, I'd been in the military and stuff, but young man, or late teens, early 20s. And there was a pastor there. Uh, anyway, he, he wanted to be uh, baptized publicly. And nobody would baptize him. Because whoever baptized him publicly, a minister, they would target that person and their family as well as the person being baptized. But if you baptize somebody in that culture, they will kill you. And so nobody wanted to baptize him. And so one time, and finally this pastor came forth, and he recognized there was a call of God on this young man's life, and that he was very sincere, and he said, I'll baptize you. And he did. And he lost his life. They ended up killing him. Now, that, that pastor, they ended up killing him. Now, whether he knew all his rights and privileges and understood. The Bible does talk about being martyred, but you lay down your life. The Bible, nobody can take your life from you. Jesus laid his life down. The apostles, they laid their lives down. And the Bible talks about a better resurrection, that they didn't accept deliverance, but for a better resurrection, they laid their lives down. But nobody can take your life from you. Do you hear me? So I'm telling you that, I'm telling you this story about the seriousness of baptism, you know, in certain things, but I'm also putting, look, you don't have to be afraid. Amen. Amen. But in this situation, this, this pastor, they took his life. They killed him because of being publicly, because he, he publicly baptized this young man. And that young man went to went on to preach the gospel, you know, still in full-time ministry today, goes around the world preaching the gospel, and he'll talk about his testimony, and in his testimony, he talks about why he preaches the gospel. And one of the things he says, he talks about this pastor, and he says the different things, and one of the things he says is, somebody laid down their life for me when, when, they, when he baptized me. And he goes, there's not a day I don't go, go there's, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think of that pastor and what he gave so that I could be baptized. And I've seen him, and he almost chokes up when he says it to this day. And it's awesome when he has testimony, and he goes, you know, you say, he, he talks, and he says, well, you know, you say, well, nobody died for me to be able to do that. And he comes to Jesus and said, actually, somebody did die for you. And he talks about preaching the gospel. It's powerful. My point is, Baptism is a public declaration of our faith in Jesus. That young man was not saved when that pastor baptized him. He was thoroughly saved before. That was just the declaration, and it was a serious declaration. So when we go up to Salisbury Beach today, there's not, you know, there's not going to be anybody waiting to take anybody out that's baptized. You know, in our, in our, in our culture, that's just not going to happen. People are going like, what are those people doing over there, maybe? We're having a baptism. But that price isn't there. But we are, nevertheless, identifying with the Lord Jesus. We are publicly declaring, I'm a Christian. We are baptized, immersed into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Let's just read a few scriptures to this effect. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If, anyone, if anybody's in Christ, you're a new creation. Romans 6 verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we do... How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us that were, who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That means immersed. When, see, it says you're in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Well, baptizing, all that means is that you're immersed. Baptize is, is just actually a Greek word that wasn't translated. It was just brought over and just pronounced in English. Baptize is a Greek word that means to dunk. Like you can baptize your donut in your coffee or your milk. That's the same word. So all it's saying is, so if you're in Christ, you're already immersed in him. Baptizing is a picture of that. Water baptism is a picture. But when it's talking about being baptized, it's the same thing. You're immersed in Christ. Verse 3, do you not know that as many of us as we're baptized into Christ Jesus in him, we're baptized into his death. Verse 4, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should also walk in newness of life. Colossians 2 verse 11 says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And finally, Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast." So you can see in these different scriptures, it's talking about you being buried with him. It's talking about you being baptized into Christ and then raised with him. That is what water baptism is. It's a picture of what's happened spiritually. That you being put into the water is like you being identified with the death of Christ. When you go down into the water, it's identifying with Jesus' death on the cross. And then when you are underwater, it's like being, it's his burial. You're identified with his death, burial, and then resurrection. That's like you're buried with him. You died with him. You're buried with him. And then when you're brought out of the water, that's being identified with the resurrection of Christ. So it's a picture. So what we're going to do this afternoon is each individual, upon their confession, that's why we know people 
that they have confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They just don't baptize anybody and everybody. But the individuals, we know their confession. We have them say that they have believed on Jesus, and then we know people's confession personally. And so when they go down, they're identifying with the fact of what's already happened spiritually is that they were identified with Christ's death, his burial, and resurrection, and that's how they became born again. So today, we're going to show that. They go under the water. As they go down, that's being identified with the death, then the burial. And when you see them come up out of the water, nothing changed spiritually, but it shows you a vivid picture of what happened spiritually when they confessed Jesus. You see them break that water and come out. It is a vivid picture of their spirit man of what had already happened before. And so it's significant. It's memorable for, for individuals. It's memorable for the family. It's just showing you what you can't see with your physical eyes. But if you could see in the spirit, that's pretty much what happened. Praise God. So it is an ordinance. Water baptism does not save you, and water baptism is a symbol. It is thoroughly scriptural. We don't be dogmatic about it, about how, although you can see just from looking at the the Bible, it's not a sprinkling. I mean, when people talk about coming out of the water, Jesus, I mean, you know, it it, it is going into the water for these reasons and for just the the visual, but you know, it's nothing that you want to get in a fight about. If somebody's getting a fight about baptism, they're missing the whole point anyway. They don't understand. They, get, they know there's other issues. So, you know, uh, you can give people the word, but you don't have to, we don't have to be uh, ugly or dogmatic because, you know what, nobody's going to heaven or hell based on baptism. You can give people the word, but, you, you know, you, you, you don't have to be mean or, or uh, ugly about it. But thank God we know we can have the truth and look at the word and, and, and enjoy this time, you know, today together. Amen.